0: I am introduced to death, 1646 or thereabouts. I had seen death before in its many colourful forms. I blame my mother, of course, for this and much else. It was she who introduced me to the dead, though she in turn might have justifiably blamed my father, for this and much else my father matthew gray was during the late wars between the king and parliament a surgeon in the royalist army being more inclined to wield a knife than a pen he sent letters to his family occasionally at best and any rumor of troops on the march would have us packing bags and saddling horses to ride and inquire whether my father was living or no there must have been less arduous ways of answering the same question but my mother preferred to travel. Perhaps it was the thought of finding my father dead on some bloody field that kept her so cheerful through that long civil war. Thus I saw the aftermath of many fights, but we were rarely the only ones picking our way amongst the debris. The dead, or at least those who meet a violent end in conflicts, have many friends. Those friends who arrive first relieve the dead of their burdensome purses and rings a little afterwards others come for their slightly less portable but still very desirable swords pistols muskets helmets and breastplates later still come those who would like a pair of boots or a good buff coat as a memento often the dead were reluctant to give up these last few trifles willingly though they had surrendered their gold. Removing a pair of breeches from a five-day-old corpse is not as easy as you might think. In crossing and recrossing the battlefield, my mother tended to avoid the more obvious freebooters, since they were sometimes careless as to whether they took the purses of the living or the deceased, and by midday they were usually well armed. She proceeded discreetly, and without drawing much attention to herself. I, marvelling at the novelty of it all, escaped her apron-strings as often as I could, and found much to amuse me. Perhaps it was because my father was a surgeon, and I was used to the sight of blood, and the many gleaming instruments that can be employed to produce it, that I accepted whatever I found on the battlefield, with no more horror than if I had been visiting the butcher's shop at home. Thus it was that, in the year 1646, or thereabouts, in the sunny Oxfordshire countryside, you might have seen a small boy giving a wounded soldier water from his flask, while politely questioning him on how he came by the wound, and how many hours it was since his companion, now stiff and cold, breathed his last. You could say that I learned a great deal in a short time, and I might have become a surgeon myself had my mother not taken an aversion to that or anything else connected with my father, and decided that a strong stomach would assist me every bit as much in the practice of law. After the war, the men started to return to the village, but not my father. If not Davis returned from fighting for Parliament with a permanent limp, but with his blacksmith's strength otherwise unimpaired. And at least he had been on the winning side. Sir Felix Clifford, who had joined the King's army on the first day of the war, returned to discover that he was ruined and that his wife had packed her bags and left. He had, it is true, been doing his best to bankrupt himself for some years before the Civil War, and might well have completed the task unaided. But, The voluntary loans that he had been obliged to pay to the King, and the fines that he had later had to pay Parliament for malignancy—that is to say, for not minding being owed money by the King—had speeded the process more than a little. The Cliffords' days as Lords of the Manor were numbered. What remained of their estate was sold to a London banker to pay the last of the fines, and the banker sold it on at a speedy but substantial profit— the market for large houses proving better than Sir Felix had been given to believe, to one Joshua. P-